What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the 1025 podcast. This is episode, I believe, six or seven. Any, Anyway, I'm uh, Jordan along with Ashanti and Kristen. And today we're going to be talking about a film that I came across during quarantine and then I introduced to Ashanti and Kristen. And it's called Bully. Bully is a 2001 crime film directed by Larry Clark, stars Brad Renfro, Nick Stoll, and many other people. It's based off of a book, Bully, by Jim Schultz. I hope I pronounced that right, which that is based off of the 1993 murder of Bobby Kent, who Nick Stoll's plays in the film. This film takes place in Florida around in the 90s, and it follows Marty Puccio and a group of friends who plot to kill uh, Bobby Kent, who has caused them uh, mental, physical, and sexual abuse for many years. I was really, when I first saw this film, I was very intrigued by it. You know, I saw a lot of documentaries that were based off of this film, and then I told you all about it, and I was very fascinated to see what you all had to say about it. So, since we've all watched it, I'm guessing this is y'all's first time watching it, and this is my yeah. second time watching it. What were you y'all's thoughts going into the film and then during, as the film played out? Well, um, who is the director of this film again? Larry Clark. He's known for directing films such as Kids and I have yeah. another film that he was uh, directed, but this well, was the third film. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, like I was going to say, I've seen Kids by Larry Clark before, and he does a really good job of showing how the family unit in America is dissolving, and it's basically leaving kids to fend for themselves, essentially. And um, we all, um, a lot of artists, like I think you guys might know who it is, Marina and the Diamonds. She has this one song that's basically like, kids are raised by television and media, and always talk about media in his podcast. So he always does a really good job of showing how kids are just really an invested in like idolizing things and they're invested in like things that are outside the family unit, if you see what I'm saying. And it can be really detrimental. Yeah, I, I, I got that a lot from Bully. I haven't seen kids yet, but I've heard so many things about, uh, I, I've heard so much about kids. It's a cult classic and all that mm-hmm. type of stuff. But I agree with what you're saying that it, it does reflect on how the family unit of America is diso- is dissolving and many kids are fending for themselves, living on their own, you know, doing drugs as the people in this, you know, movie have done. What about you? Because I just found it kind of weird how all the parents near the end of the film were just so shocked that their kids were doing all these things, but Literally, what we've learned is free time and an idle mind is not a combination. Because literally, they were high school dropouts. They had no skills. They didn't have a job or anything. Some of them were even having kids themselves. Yeah. Such as main, well, such as one of our main characters, Allie, who was messing around with um, Nick Stoll's character, Bobby Kent, and also one of our main characters, um, Lisa, who was messing around, who's the love interest of uh, Marty Puccio, even though I feel deep down Marty wasn't really interested in her. She was, he was more interested in her in the case of, okay, can you give me drugs and just sex and drugs and that's it. And she winds up pregnant. But uh, an interesting theme that I found from this film was that sense of rebellion in the sense that 
it's like you are you against the world basically you know there are many films that i've watched that kind of remind me of that such as like rebel without a cause kids you know reading up on what happened in the film kids but the thing about bully is that i, I feel like it relates this film relates its message to now because the main controversy surrounding this film was the portrayal of youth murder and the murder that happens in this film is not anything glamorized and extravagant you know what i'm saying if you you watch a film such as like deadpool and uh transformers it portrays murder as this exciting and oh my god like this is actually happening um situation Whereas in this film, it's portrayed as like this living nightmare, you know. When Although this one girl in the film didn't seem to have any remorse about it. In fact, she was proud about it. And wasn't that the girl that also got the least amount of years? She got seven. Are you talking about uh, Heather? The yeah. yeah, I think, well, because I think when it comes to Heather, she's mentally damaged in all ways you know i i think you guys remember the scene where it's her ally and uh donnie who are in the car and they're about to go commit the murder she tells this story about how her grandfather murdered her grandmother and literally locked himself in a room for like three days doing all sorts of insane and disturbing stuff so that kind of drove her and then the fact that the first thing she knew how to read was the newspaper surrounding the incident. I feel like that mentally tormented her to the point where when we first see her, she's in rehab. So it's when Allie calls her and says, hey, come on down and, you know, let's do something. Um, another thing that I, well, let me think. Another thing that I um, thought about when it came to this film was the portrayal of each character. The thing is, when it came to uh, Bobby Kent, was that if you actually research the story, Bobby Kent is Iranian. And in the movie, Nick Stoll is Caucasian, he's white. So they did take a lot of liberties when it came to creating this character. Another thing is when, it, when it's the, as far as like cinematography is concerned, the movie has this very dirty and gritty type of look to it, you know? If you've ever seen um, the film uh, Gummo from Harmony Corrin, it has that similar visual type of style. And it's funny that Larry Clark started off as a photographer. Yeah. Um, there's a book that he has, it's called Tulsa. And it's literally vignettes of his friends doing drugs, you know, injecting themselves with like nasal spray or some crazy crap like that. And it just shows you where he was at first and what drove him to have the inspiration to create um, the films that we know of him today. Well, not really know of him, but a lot of auteurs and film lovers know him today. Um, another thing is, I, and I remember when we watched the film in like the first 20 minutes, there were a lot of kids who were kind of dialing in that slang and listening to hip hop music and all that. And I think Ashanti, you, when you, what you were saying when we was watching it, they were kind of dabbling into black culture a little bit. Do you think that is like, do you think people blame that as to why 
a lot of crime and all that stuff is happening. I don't know. Uh, if I said that. Right. I, I see what you're saying. I don't think it's a direct factor because you have to think we are in white suburbia. So they do have the privilege of social capital to be able to get themselves out of that spot. The character Bobby Kent, the main character that was essentially killed that you keep mentioning, yeah. he had the capital to escape. And mm -hmm. I don't really think that dabbling in black culture or things like that would have prevented him from doing so. But is their obsession with like sex and drugs and their obsession with yeah. these things? As Kristen said, the, when an idle mind leads people to desperate places because they don't necessarily have that direction that they need. So it's not just the sense that um, dabbling in Black culture left them there, just not having anyone to guide them and to like guide them towards a fulfilling life that was essentially the problem. Yeah. Like so overtaken with like, especially sex. There was like an immense amount of like, just aggressive. So many scenes in this film that is nothing but like sex, drugs, and of course violence, but it's like sex and drugs. That's the only thing that kept them afloat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How many scenes where Marty's having sex with Lisa, where Ali's having sex with Donnie and Bobby, and it's just like, and it makes you feel nasty while watching. This is a very gross film. When They're you essentially creating what they see because who is the character that, um, I think he's either bisexual or possibly even gay. Or maybe just likes boys, perhaps. What's his name? Bobby Kent. He's the one that films, like, who, like, directed uh, mm. porn um, Marty. Marty? Oh, Marty? Marty, yeah. I think when it comes to the... Um, how, how, how can I say this? When it comes to Bobby and Marty, I feel like Marty was more reserved when it came to that stuff because even the scene where they were at the, the the club and then he was dancing and then the next scene later they were in the car he was like no I'm not you know gay I'm not like those other guys and then Bobby was sort of like poking at him like no you actually do like it and he somewhat likes it too because then in the next scene where he sexually assaults Allie there's a, um, a film a porn film where he directed. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, is he interested in that type of stuff? Why is he interested in that stuff? What does his parents think? This film leaves you a lot of questions. Like you think about a lot of stuff as the film progresses. Yeah, well, like I was saying before, I feel like on the film we see a lot of repression because I actually do think Marty was bisexual, but because of like, the culture that he was around and like I said, just like it's always itching for sex and always itching for drugs and being around people that are so attached to those things. A lot of these characters were never able to fulfill themselves. They were never able to flower. They're essentially stuck in just poor white suburbia because they're, they're so uh, they're caught up really so there's um I never really saw very much character duality either like do you think these characters progressed any because even when they were in court or talking about the murder, murder itself there was no of course they're still teenager they used a lot of teenage idioms and they were just being like yeah I totally killed this guy and in a court like they packed a courtroom you know what I'm talking about when they were like up on the thing like about to get um, under trial they were still like acting like they were in a classroom yeah, like that's, being, the thing. that's the thing that um, I caught great. when I first saw it. I was like, it's kind of weird. They never still, right. It's like, never, I'm sorry. They're not, 
being all serious. Like, like they feel like this situation, they're going to come out of this situation. You know what I'm saying? Like Ashanti said, they were in a, it felt more like they were in a classroom. Not a court. And yeah. And not, oh shit, I'm about to be in prison for the rest of my life and all that type of stuff. And we'll get back to the courtroom scene in a few. But I really want to talk about the character of Lisa because I feel like she's the most, in my opinion, she's the most complex and the most infuriating character of the entire film. Because when we first see her, when you first meet her, she's the very quiet, reserved one. And Allie is the more outgoing, charismatic one. But then when she gets close to Marty, she sort of comes out of her shell more. And then it's like right off the bat, she says she loves Marty. I'm just thinking to myself, when I first saw it, I was like, you just met this dude. How do you love this guy and you just met him? You know what I'm saying? And I think second time, oh, go go on, Crystal. Uh, I think a lot of them have a very immature mindset because as Ashanti was saying, even in the courtroom, they were acting like it was a classroom. Yeah. But I'm thinking even before that situation, when they were all together, talking about the events leading up to the murder they didn't think of a mature way out of the situation they could have told somebody they could have moved but they were all thinking oh my whole family has to move in order for me to move which is not logical because it's easier for one person to move rather than all of you yeah and then if you really didn't like him so much you could have just told somebody told the police because he did commit a crime yeah, right. And I like I like the point that you made, Kristen, where they could have moved, not their whole family, but because I feel like each character had an out. Each character yeah. had a way out of the situation. Allie, uh, Donnie, and Heather, they live in North Florida. They didn't have to, they could have just went back up to North Florida, never talked to the dude again. Now, as far as uh Lisa Marty and then her cousin Derek and then the hitman Derek I mean hitman Derek he's part of like the mafia and he's like about that life and all that but everyone else are just a bunch of kids so they literally just push themselves in this violent you know lifestyle that caused them most of them the rest of their lives but going back to Lisa I feel like when I the second time I was watching it with you guys, I feel like Lisa didn't have the proper male figure in her life that loves loved her. So she's going to Marty as that like crutch sort of. Like Lisa views Marty as the thing that's gonna help her out of like depression or whatever, all that type of stuff. A lot of people have that in their lives where they basically yeah have somebody and they're like you are my conduit to happiness and I feel like that's why I feel like was her conduit to happiness I think that's why a lot of people also stick to role models because they don't have anyone in their life to look up to because a lot of the people now their parents are trying to act just like them like they're trying to live their life through their child instead of trying to parent them Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like maybe 
her parents, Lisa's parent, Lisa's mom, because that's the only parent that you see, was trying to live through um, Lisa being like, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. Stay in the house. Don't hang out with uh, this Marty kid. And even Bobby's dad was trying to live through Bobby because earlier in the film, when he was talking about this um, job that he was going to do, that Bobby was going to do, and Bobby was like, well, can we hire Marty? And then I'll get to Bobby in a few. I feel like Bobby's dad was trying to map out his entire life, basically. Like, yeah, you're going to go to college, graduate, get you this job, and then just work. That's it. Now, as for Bobby, when we first see him, of course, he's a major douchebag. Like, he abuses Marty. He calls women the B-word. He just... He raped Allie and I think raped uh, Lisa. So he comes across as a really scumbag character. But the scene with his dad, I feel like Larry Clark wanted to humanize him more. Be like, okay, even though we know this character as an abusive jackass to Marty, he kind of cares about uh, him a little bit. And it's, it is very extremely toxic when you think about it. So when it comes up to his death, you feel bad for him, but at the same time, not really. You're like, you did, you caused all this pain to all these characters, and this is what you deserve. You get exactly what you deserve. Yeah. Maybe not that brutal. Yeah, not that brutal. Because you could have, he could have went to jail. Right all that and even the scene is just so it's gruesome when you see it like he's literally begging for his life and apologizing and they showed no mercy because they were so afraid of getting caught they even went back afterwards like she tried to convince someone to go back with her so they could hide the body better and that just i was like so do you not feel any guilt about what you just did Right. You, this was a person who pretty much had his whole future planned out. He was going to go to college. He graduated. He was, he was going to have a pretty successful life. Exactly. And these misfits just come by and just take it away from him, even though he caused so much pain to them. And even after I watched it, I was like, he didn't deserve it. You know, a, a lot of people, they do make mistakes. But I feel like you have you have to have had the proper sort of like reasoning when it came to it. It's like, yeah, I did this to you, but I'm not gonna kill you. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't ki- I'm not gonna kill somebody, waste my entire future just because some d- jerk did something to me. No. Um, another character who I f- really want to talk about is Lisa's cousin, Derek. He's the the big guy who was in the arcade. I feel like, and of course, it's sort of revealed that he was the guy who ratted everyone out, basically. As far as he was concerned, do you guys kind of put yourself, even though we'll never put ourselves in this situation, do you guys kind of see his viewpoint more compared to everyone else's as he was basically just the innocent person, basically? Mm, I noticed that he desired the same things that they did. Like whenever they um, 
initially picked them up in a car to plan the murder, he was staring at Heather's legs, like desiring the same, desiring the freedom that they had because he seemed like a pretty structured boy. It seemed like he came from a pretty structured family. Yeah. I only time I ever really he protected Lisa or his friend, you know, the girl that was was Marty. Yeah, but that's his uh, cousin. Yeah, I think they lured him in. I don't think he was very innocent. I think he has the same desires that every human has. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really see him as, the, as an innocent person. I, I, feel think like he was, I feel like he was the one that didn't go all out as compared to everyone else. Like everyone else was doing LSD and having sex constantly. He was sort of like, that one friend that's like, I'm not, I'm just, I'm going to go along with you guys, but I'm not really going to be a part of all that type of stuff until Forrest is hurt. I feel like the only reason why he didn't actually go do those things is because he felt it was unattainable to him. Yeah. How he looked. Because he even expressed that he liked one of the girls, but he couldn't go for her because of how he looked. So the only thing that was stopping him from being just like everybody else was how he looked yeah not fit fitting into the prototype that they they're all literally built the same not to be like that but he just didn't fit in he didn't carry those same burdens as they did all of these people are essentially come up from screwed up backgrounds i guess you could say or friends with pretty terrible people he was an average teenager living in florida it seemed like of course he was friends with lisa so that does some damage but i don't really about his background yeah Let's see. Um, now, going back to the, I would say the last 40 minutes of the film. I think, personally, the last 40 minutes of the film are great. There's a song that plays throughout. It's called Song of Shelter. It's from this rapper, producer. His name is Fatboy Slim. And he, it just has this, when I first heard it, it just had this very calm vibe to it. It just felt like the sun was setting on summer. But the reason why I feel like Larry Clark put this song in the film was that it represents the end of these people's lives, basically. Like, they screwed up big time throughout this film. And we see how this murder mentally affected each and every one. You see uh, Derek watching the TV and, you know, of like the fishermen and stuff, showing that this is, probably the last thing he'll ever watch in his life you see Allie comforting her baby you see marty hugging his brother and giving his brother his uh earring represents that i'm passing on my life to you basically because my life is over with and people even like Allie was even questioning okay if i saw a murder can i just report to the hotline anonymously because the hitman derek would kill every last one of them and then in the courtroom well no not in the courtroom when they the scene where the police officers arrest marty the person who actually has the gun the guy with the mustache is the same guy who actually issued the real life marty puccio's arrest and then the courtroom is the same courtroom that they were in and they actually um, sat in the same seats. So I like that, you know, attention to detail that Larry Clark had throughout, you know, the film, especially those last 40 minutes. And even, and the music goes from that like peaceful tune that you will hear when it's like the sun is setting to this very chaotic, bombastic 
um, outro that has this very creepy montage that shows um, how much time each character got. And I, and I feel like the music enhances that experience because it shows that the time that this came out, these people are still in prison. They're still locked up. Like Heather got, I mean, of course, Heather and Derek, they are pretty much out now. They got seven years, well, Heather got seven years and Derek got 11 years. But everyone else from Allie who got 40 years and then everyone else who got life sentences and then Marty had the death penalty, it just showed, oh, damn, these kids are done. Now, I will say that the, um, the actual sentencing mostly is not true. Allie didn't actually get 40 years. She, she had an appeal in, in it, and they reduced that to 20 years. So she's out along with De Derek and Heather. And Lisa didn't get life as well. She got an appeal, I think, um, lower to 20. So she's out right now as well. So the only ones who are still in prison is Marty, Derek, and uh, Donnie. And Marty didn't get the death penalty. I think he's going on parole, I think, in this year or something. But the film, I, I just feel, I, I think this film will have a cult following few years from now probably not as big as like kids and all that but i feel like this is a very interesting film to watch and analyze yeah um and i will say farewell if you are interested in larry clark's film go read his uh book tulsa it's a photography book and it influenced a lot of directors like Martin Scorsese and uh, many, many other directors. It shows his life in Tulsa and watch kids as Ashanti, you know, was talking about. But if you are interested in this film, fair warning, I'm talking to the people who might watch this, fair warning that this film has a lot of graphic imagery. You know, there are scenes where there, there are scenes that it will stick with you for a long time and you it's really really disturbing so that's that any final thoughts my friends i know this was like short as hell and i was rambling for a minute but that's it yeah all right well all right thank y'all thank y'all for watching the 1025 podcast i'm jordan along with the shanti and kristen and we'll see you next time Peace. Yeah.